You're about to learn about the importance of training and supporting your tax staff, as well as how you can go about doing this so that you can help your team become top quality and effective. You're listening to episode 72 of the Tax Professionals podcast, here to help you to progress, develop and improve your tax career. Welcome to the Tax Professionals podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you improve your tax career. Here's your host, Jack Bonehill. It's sometime around 2016 and I'm in the office with a person we've recently hired. They're an 18 year old apprentice doing business admin I believe, but they're getting involved in some tax work too. I walk to the filing room and grab a few of the Tollers Yellow tax books and take them to their desk. There are two things I know that I like. Firstly, I've taken an interest in legislation, which I'll find out in the future I'm a minority here. Secondly, I like sharing what I learn to help others improve. So I've had this great idea to teach the new apprentice a bit about tax legislation. I spend about 10 minutes or so talking to them and showing them the yellow tax books. I pretty much talk at them the entire time. and I don't think they even ask me a single simple question or a question at all for that matter. So I'll call it a day fairly quickly. Looking back, what was I thinking? They were 18, not even studying tax at the time. And I thought it'd be a good idea to teach them about tax legislation. They're probably holding in the yawns as I was speaking to them. I had all the right intentions and I wanted to teach them something to help them get better, but I definitely didn't have a good approach here. It's something they would have thought was irrelevant, given that tax work was only a small part of their job. They probably had no desire at that point to learn about in-depth tax points, never mind legislation. They had no incentive, they had no desire, they had no interest, so it was not a good use of time. But obviously I didn't realise that back then. But since, I've worked with a number of tax trainees and I've needed, as well as wanted, to support them in their professional development. And I've tried and tested a lot of different things now. And in this episode, I show you the key ways to train and support your tax staff so they can develop into quality tax professionals and you can build a quality team. Just to be clear, I'm not just talking about tax knowledge here, but I'm just I'm also talking about the wider soft skills that are needed to be a good tax professional too. When I was preparing for this episode, I listed so many tips and ideas in terms of how you can train and support your staff's development. And where I've covered something in detail in another episode, I've not covered it again in detail here. Instead, I'll just put links to those episodes in the show notes of this episode. So they can be accessed at the taxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash TTPP72. I have created this episode with trainees in mind, but most, if not all of these tips will apply equally to anyone regardless of their grade or experience. Rough timings for each section of this episode can be found in the details section of the episode within your podcast player of choice or by heading on over to the show notes for this episode at thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash ttpp72. The link to the show notes is the only link you'll need to remember as all of the links mentioned throughout this episode will be included in there. Just two last quick points before jumping into the episode. I'm a big believer that we are responsible for our own progression and development but also that we should all have access to the right resources, training and support to help us. When I became CTA qualified, I just couldn't seem to find anything specific to tax professionals in particular, which was a real shame. Since starting the podcast, I've been wanting to fill that gap, which I started with the podcast episodes themselves, but more recently I've had the opportunity to start creating resources outside of the podcast. My favourite so far is the Tax Research Masterclass, which I've designed to essentially give you the practical skills to undertake tax research at work. I like this as it does more than just provide you with information and knowledge like a lot of training does. Uh, The Tax Research Masterclass also helps you to implement the knowledge that you learn too. The latter part I believe is key. You need to use and implement what you learn for it to be helpful. That's why I was so chuffed to have over 20 people in the February Masterclass. I'll be delivering the next Tax Research Masterclass in September this year and hopefully be delivering my first Tax Advice Masterclass in May. 
You can get full details of masterclasses or enroll by heading on over to thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash masterclasses. That's thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash masterclasses. If, like me, you're interested in knowing what you're worth in terms of salary, then get in touch with James from the tax recruitment company to benchmark what you're currently on. From his interaction with many different businesses and tax professionals, he has current knowledge of salary rates based on experience and specialism. Speaking with James could help you to negotiate a pay rise or determine it's time to find a new role. Contact details for James can be found in the show notes for this episode at thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash ttpb72 or you can book a chat with him by heading on over to thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash salary chat. So get in touch with James to benchmark your salary or to discuss potentially available roles, particularly if you work in corporation tax as he's currently recruiting for many roles in this area. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. Okay, just to start us off then for this episode, I just want to talk very quickly about the benefits of training and supporting your staff. Now, some of you, if not all of you, will find these obvious, I guess, but it's just worth having them in mind as we're going through this episode because training and supporting your staff to develop is actually not straightforward and easy. So you need to almost like keep these benefits in your mind all the time and persevere with the training. So obviously... Training and supporting your staff is a nice thing to do. It's obviously what we would have wanted when we were trainees and we were younger starting off our career. It will help to improve the quality of the team because if you help them to become better and have a higher skill level, then obviously the team as a whole is of a better quality. Training and supporting staff helps to increase motivation because if they feel like they're well equipped to do the job and they know how to do things well, then it makes it easier for them to do tasks and therefore more motivated. It'll feel like they're I suppose, making an impact, doing something helpful for the team. And then as a consequence of the motivation and all those other things, it will also help to improve retention as well. If you spend a lot of time training and supporting someone develop, you're going to build loyalty from them. So that's going to re- reduce the chance of them want to, wanting to leave. Obviously, of course, that you're looking after them in other areas as well, because if you were to train them and pay them, say, an absolutely rubbish salary, then I'm sure the loyalty won't go that far. But as long as everything's in balance, it will help to build loyalty. And once obviously they become better at tasks and they're able to do different things, it's going to make your life a lot easier because then you'll be able to delegate tasks to them much more easily. And the more that you can take off your plate and put on someone else's, the more time you will have freed up to either not work stupidly long hours or to spend that time in other areas where only you can do stuff and people of, say, lesser experience um, can't do instead. So those are, in brief, the benefits of training and supporting your tax staff. I'm not really sure whether I'm calling these tips or or whatever in this episode yet, but like number one anyway, if you want to call it that, is um, you can help train your train and support your staff by involving them in projects and work where they can learn and develop stuff. So things they might have not done before or things that are going to be challenging to them or stretch them in some way. If you can get them involved in that type of work, you're going to help them to grow and develop. Obviously, you would need to give them the support they need to be able to do that work too. But obviously, after they've done it maybe once or a couple of times, if they're picking it up slowly, then they will be able to do it, do it well. So, you know, what type of projects could you get them involved in? So let's say that there's a new tax area. So let's say they haven't worked in a certain part of corporation tax before or a certain ele- they haven't worked with a certain element of that before. Then you can get them involved in a project that has that element in it because that can help them to build the knowledge in that area and I suppose broaden their tax knowledge uh, on top of what they would learn through their tax exams. Could it be that you want to teach them a new soft skill or a new tax skill in some way? So like if you need to do some research or some research needs to be done and they've not done much research or not much complicated research, could you get them involved in a research task that's appropriate for their current level? That's not too challenging and it's not too easy either. So just some quick example. So you could delegate tax research to someone that's inexperienced. If you literally just need to find, say, 
a manual reference that you know exists, but you, you don't want to find it yourself, you could ask a trainee or someone to go find that reference say let's say off the top of my head here that you know there's something to do with car benefits that says um, where there's a pool car uh, if it's a pool car as long as it meets criteria that it's not a taxable benefit well you could go and ask the trainee to find uh, the manual number yeah, say in the employment income manual where it will list out all those conditions you could ask them to do that for example and that's where you would start off for someone doing tax research anyway start them off on simple things to help them get more confidence then once they get better you can give them more abstract and difficult research tasks that you that need to be done or let's say that for example that you've got a member of staff who's never worked on a hmrc inquiry before not at all so they don't even know what a 6480 is or a comp one form or anything like that then you could get them involved and start doing those basic tasks say right from the start as a training level and as they get more experience they can maybe say start drafting the correspondence or um, collecting the documentation for the clients i suppose it depends how good you think they are but obviously you can help you can allow them to do all these things as long as you provide them with the right level of support but usually you want to try and get some balance between something not too difficult that you can leave them to go get on it get on with it by themselves and save you time rather than just have to sit with them all the time. But in some cases, which we'll come into a bit later, shadowing, for example, or sitting with them through something could be a good thing uh, to do. So you can get them involved in little bits here and there, not necessarily the full project, or you can get them involved in a full project if they're ready for that, uh, you think. So just to finish off this section, um, when we're talking about involvement, this can be just a number of things. It could be doing just a simple task or project, which, which they're doing through delegation from you. Um, they could be helping you on a job. Let's say you just got a, you've got a big overall job. And you just want some people to do some small little things they can support in that way, whether it's chasing something from the client or whatever, you know, involvement in any way is going to be helpful. So involve staff in projects and work where they can learn and develop. Very much related to the last point, I just want to touch upon the delegation element when you're getting um, people involved in projects with you. Um, but when delegating, you need to make sure that you're delegating the work properly and that you're available to provide the required support depending on how skilled they are, etc. So when you are using delegation to train, you must accept that it is going to be time consuming. You're probably not overall on that project going to save time if there's a lot of learning involved. So you do need to spend the time upfront giving them what they need and delegating the task properly. So if they need to understand a certain tax rule, say to do the work, then you might need to spend time with them to talk them through that tax rule or you could point them in the right direction to go and read about it and then you could reconvene later but you do need to spend that time up front because if you don't spend the time what you're going to get back is not going to be particularly helpful and probably <laughs> you would have wished you would have spent that time which is hard sometimes because I know how busy we are we don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time up front doing that delegation so I'm not going to go into detail here about how to delegate as, there, as I've already done other episodes on delegation before in the past so I will link those in the episode I believe there's two uh, one which I did right at the start of the podcast with a guy called Mike Clayton, I think he was, and, and one I've done myself too. So I will link both of those in the show notes. Even though I'm not going to go into the detail here, I will just say when you are delegating something you are stretching to someone, you need to give them lots of context, help, guidance and support in the areas where they are going to find it difficult. Uh, and personally, I do not like spoon feeding people because I think if you spoon feed them, they will get used to that spoon spoon feeding and always want it so i want to essentially train someone to be able to catch the fish themselves rather than me give them a fish every day whatever that saying is um, give them the tools to figure things out and find it out themselves so that they can do that going forward and don't need a lot of time from me every single time on certain things after a task has been done particularly where you're looking to train and support someone through the delegation of a task you need to make sure that you provide feedback to them and the feedback needs to be honest 
and not judgmental though. You need to be honest on the areas where they need improvement or they haven't done well. And you can say it's very like matter of fact without any judgment or emotion attached to it. Now, I do know though that people hate receiving and providing feedback because I've done two podcast episodes, one in each one of those, and they've both been very unpopular. So I do know that it's something that people don't like. But on the flip side, it is very powerful and it is a great way to help someone to grow and develop um, especially on tasks that you've delegated to them because they've already had a go at something then. So you can then point out things they could have done differently and that's much better than just, say, trying to teach someone something that they've never even tried to have a go at. Um, so there is episodes on that and I'll make sure I find out both of those two and put them in the show notes. I'm pretty sure there's one on providing feedback and there's also one on receiving feedback. But obviously in, in the context of this, you're going to be interested in the one on providing feedback, which is episode 46. So it was in probably the last month or so, um, I was working on a project where we needed to review a lot of contracts. And so I passed the task over to a trainee that's been with us for about six months to have a go at reviewing the contracts first. After they reviewed the contracts, I knew that they found it difficult. And so what I thought would be a good idea is to just, from my side at least, start from scratch go through the contract but as I'm doing that go through it with them at the same time so we both had the contract open on our screen we would go through section one of the contract would read the clauses make our notes etc um, and then we would stop and discuss the comments that both of us made and I would like point out things where he um, commented on something that wasn't an issue and likewise I pointed things out that they didn't pick up on obviously of course before we went to his contract I explained what the objective was of us reviewing the content what we're trying to achieve etc so they had an idea what they were trying to do in this case um, so we, we did that anyway, and I know at the end of it, we only went through probably two or three sections of the contract, but by the end of that, I could just tell straight away how much he got from it, because by the time we got to that third section, he was approaching it completely differently, he was picking up everything correctly, etc. You know, you could just see that he understood now the amount of detail and depth he needs to go in when reviewing a contract for this type of work that we're doing. And so that's the first time I've really ever done shadowing in any form. I think it's, I would class that as shadowing, although it's got a bit of a twist on it, but um, I'm going to do it a lot more now because I know how useful I found in that case, particularly, it's particularly good, I suppose, where, you know, a trainee's fairly quiet and it's not going to really take you much more extra time to go through it and let them sit with you and go through it, but they can take a lot away from that as, as long as, of course, they're being interested in, in the area. Just a reminder to benchmark your salary, find out what you're worth or discuss available tax roles, get in contact with James at the tax recruitment company. His contact details can be found in the taxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash ttpp72 or you can book a call with him by heading on over to the taxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash salary chat. The next way that you can help your staff to try and develop, I think this is the obvious one because you can obviously use courses, webinars and similar. I mentioned in this, even though I think well obviously everyone knows about this as a method right but I think a lot of people believe this is like the only way to train people or it's the only method they really use anyway it should definitely be something that's in your kit bag but it should be used with purpose I suppose to supplement training and development not as the only tool um but one of the reasons I think courses can are probably not the best in all cases and they can be a waste of time is if so if it's passive and they're not really being asked any questions or they don't need to do anything they're just sitting there and listening that is not a good way alone to learn they can also be quite generic if they're not really specific to something tax related and i know in terms of at least soft scores there's not really anything out there apart from a few things i've seen and stuff i'm creating that is specific and bespoke to tax professionals 
also these courses can be really long and they cover like way too many topics and so by the end of it like they might have learned a bit about a lot of topics but they haven't really got a lot better in any area because of the course and obviously just going to a course like this isn't what will make the difference they need to implement it and do stuff afterwards and I do make sure that my courses aren't like this anyway because I know how unuseful uh, they can be um, and if you are using courses anyway I would use them on something like specific or an area that you know they need to work on uh, let's say that R&D is really important in your area then you might want to send them on an R&D course because you know they're going to use it a lot and it's going to be vitally important but if uh, knowing how to calculate car benefit isn't going to be important because they work in VAT then you probably shouldn't bother sending them on it right and I know some of this stuff is self-explanatory and obvious but it's just something to think about um when you are sending people on course anyway, you do you do want them to learn. Uh, you would you want them really to want to learn and develop because if you just send them on course and they're not really that bothered, then they probably won't take an awful lot away from it. Um, and so maybe a way to approach it instead could be that you want people to come to you with courses that they want to do rather than you just whack them on something. Or if you're thinking there's something useful, you could send it to them and ask them if they think it's going to be useful or helpful to them rather than just putting them straight on a course. In COVID, in our, in our team, we had a lot of work relating to something in the recruitment sector that I'm just going to call uh, outsourcing projects. And at the time, we were so, so busy and inundated with this work that we really needed to, like, I suppose, increase the amount of people that could do work on this and do it well, because anything that, they, anything that someone else could do could save us time. And so there was two trainees that I was working with at the time and I used to spend loads and loads of time like giving feedback on written work they'd done or anything that they'd done, spending time talking to them, training, giving advice, etc. But it didn't seem to be making as much of a difference as what I hoped it would at the time. Now, part of it was definitely my fault because I was giving too much feedback, which I see now because I was literally giving feedback on everything, even if it was small, tiny, etc. Whereas in hindsight, I should have focused on just a few key points. Um, to give feedback on and I started doing that later and actually literally just picking out the most important point and that seemed to make a difference but uh, back onto this anyway like there was just this one day when I had a chat with one of the trainees and they basically a few things have happened in their personal life and it, it just changed their like mindset on work and I kid you not from that day forward their approach at work was just completely different so you can you can lead a horse to water I suppose but you can't make them drink they, they need to want to learn. So you are going to get frustrating times sometimes when you're putting in a lot of time, a lot of effort, and it doesn't seem to be getting anywhere. And that just might be because they don't want to yet. Now, you could do something to help maybe change their mindset or encourage them to want to learn, maybe sell them the benefits or what they can do if they learn these things. But it's not all down to you. You can help, but you can't solve it entirely. So just do bear that in mind. I've had another similar situation as well, actually, where there's just been like a complete change in mindset of a trainee. And yeah they're, they're like completely different people afterwards and really seem to um, be doing a lot more in their work in my first tax job I was probably three months in maybe not even that far um, but my manager at the time had kept like a bunch of queries that um, they had been asked by clients in the past and they, they handed them over to me to have an attempt at answering them to, to they were basically testing whether I could come to the technically correct answer here. Before they gave me these queries, anyway, which all actually related to expenses, they asked me to read through um, booklet 480, which is to do with expenses. So I did read through that full booklet first and then had a go at these questions. And then when they sent the, question, uh, the queries over to me, I did do them referencing back 
the um, the guidance here that I had looked at previously. And I came to the answers in all of the cases and I sent them over to the, the, uh, my manager at the time and they came back to me. And in all cases, I, I fortunately got them right, even though I was unsure on some of them actually at the time, which was down to me not having, I suppose, appropriate research skills at the time. But anyway... This approach of like simulating an environment where I was having to come to the tax answer and advice by using real world queries that had been asked was really useful for me because I learned an awful lot from that. So if you can simulate like an environment, then that could be something that's really good for you um, to help a, tra- help a trainee to get better at something. So I'm going to call this like training through simulation in a way. If you can simulate an environment that's like real life and test them and train them, then that could be useful to do. Obviously, you do need time to do this, right? Because the trainee needs time to be able to do it. You need time to be able to support and check it, etc. But it was exceptionally valuable for me at the time. I do remember that. Okay, so this is on a slightly different line, I suppose. But when it comes to helping your trainees to develop and progress, uh, you need to remove the barriers that allow them to do that. So... For example, if time is their barrier, are they not getting enough time when they're working on certain projects to do a good job and to do the learning that they need to do? I know I've had that with my trainees, for example, in the past because we were so busy that we didn't really have the opportunity to take the work off them so that they could learn. So they were always feeling like they needed to rush and do stuff. So like time could be a barrier, for example. Is it the fact that you haven't got like the available resources, whether it's courses, whether it's the right learning material, whatever it is, have you got that available? And if not... Could you make it available or could you make it obvious that if they need something being made available, that you can do that for them if they come to you and talk to you about it? And like we've talked about with delegation earlier, like for example, if you're delegating something, are you available to support them on that? Because if not, that could be a barrier to them. And if, if there's someone that doesn't come to you and, and ask questions when they're working on something, could you, for example, set up mini chats with them or touch base with them a few times throughout the project to remove that barrier of them? Uh, so if they come to you and go, well, or oh, I wasn't sure on this or I wasn't sure on that, you could go, well, you had the opportunity to come to me. I came to you a few times. If you see what I mean, like you can remove the barriers then. So then you can really get to the root bottom of things. If there is an issue that's stopping them from progression or whatever, you can help get to the root of it if you remove the barriers. And obviously the ideal situation is to have zero barriers, but in reality, uh, that's probably not practical or realistic, but minimise the barriers anyway. Just real quick, um, so you can create individual personal development plans for people to really, like I suppose, focus their mind um, on what they need to do to progress, uh, improve themselves and, um, and learn. So I actually think in most cases, personal development plans a little bit overboard. I've never found that they quite work for me, but I mention it because I know that they can be helpful for some people. What I tend to do instead is set objectives within, say, annual appraisals and quality reviews that essentially do the same as what a personal development plan would do, which is like a shorter time scale. Um, I still, of course, have a bit of an understanding where the person I'm helping get better and train, etc., where they want to go so that I'm not send them off on a, a random track because they need to be motivated don't they to to learn and develop so you need to make sure that they're going where they want to go so they're motivated to get there because if you try and get them somewhere where they don't want to go they're just not going to have the motivation to do that this note isn't any a new tip or anything but i want what i want you to do is like an action after this episode is to have a think about how you are now going to help your staff to train and develop so maybe you've got a particular person in mind that you want to help or maybe you manage a few people but have a think about it now 
is there any information you can use out of this episode that you could do to, to help that that you want to try, etc. But, you know, just have a think about it, have an idea, and then have a go at implementing it, even if it's something that's really small. Just in summary then for this episode, trying to get support in your staff in their development and improve the quality of the team, increase motivation, retention, and can make your life easier through delegation. There's lots of ways that you can train and support your staff in their development. Key ways are to involve staff in projects and work where they can learn and develop, provide feedback honestly but not judgmentally on areas of improvement, shadowing, courses, webinars and similar and simulations, aim to remove the barriers that prevent training and development, which could include being too busy, not having enough time or not having available resources. An individual personal development plan can help you to identify and focus on key points and key areas for that person so then they can train and develop in those key areas where they need to be good to be able to do the job properly. And as I say, I challenge you now to try and use some of the information used from this episode. And basically, I want to challenge you now to have a think about how you're going to help your staff to become better and improve. Um, and then have a go at implementing it. And I'm going to set you the deadline of two weeks. If you can think about it and implement just one small thing in two weeks, then uh, that'll be great for you. Show notes for this episode can be accessed at thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash ttpp72. This will include a link to the episodes mentioned throughout this one and also the masterclasses that I deliver specifically to help tax professionals to progress and develop. If you like this episode, make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes by heading on over to thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash subscribe to sign up for email notifications. Episodes are bi-weekly and released on Mondays. But that's it for this episode. I hope you've taken away some useful points to help you to progress develop and improve your tax career. Until next time.